0: Connect, influence, optimize. You're listening to The Channel Channel, a podcast for executives and others involved in the authorized sale of electronic components. Brought to you by the ECIA, the Electronic Component Industry Association. Working to promote and improve the authorized distribution channel. Welcome to The Channel Channel. This is Debbie Conyers, the ECIA VP of Member Engagement the Executive Director of the ECIA Foundation, and today's host of the Channel Channel, a podcast series sponsored by the Electronic Components Industry Association that covers topics of importance to the participants of the electronics supply chain. I'm delighted to have a guest host join me today, Paul Dozier, VP of Business Development for Digikey Electronics. Paul has a long history with the industry, having spent the past 20 plus years with Digikey. He has many years of involvement with the association as well. In addition, he shares a great love and enthusiasm for all things FIRST Robotics. So welcome, Paul. Thanks for being with us today. I'm sure it's very special for you to have this opportunity to have a conversation with our guest, Dean Kamen.
1: Wow. Thank you, Deb. I really appreciate that introduction. And absolutely, it, it certainly is an honor for me to introduce and spend a little time today with our distinguished guest Dean Kamen. And many people know Dean's name and the history, but just thought I'd give just a little background on Dean. So he's an American engineer, a prolific inventor, an entrepreneur, and a tireless advocate for science and technology, and a businessman. He's known for his invention of the Segway and the iBot, as well as founding the nonprofit organization known as FIRST. In 1982, Dean founded DECA, Research and Development Corporation, a technology company based in New Hampshire, consisting of nearly 800 engineers and technicians. He currently holds over 1,000 patents. In 1989, Dean's passion and determination to help young people discover the excitement and rewards of science and technology, engineering and mathematics led Dean to start FIRST. Today, more than 679,000 students are involved in FIRST. The FIRST Robotics Competition has evolved into an international competition involving 91,000 students making up 3,647 teams spread across 110 countries in the 2019-2020 season. For over 30 years, Dina's Resolutely led the growth of FIRST to where it is now universally recognized as the leading non for profit STEM engagement program for kids worldwide. Wow, what, what an accomplishment. So, Dean, welcome and thank you for taking some time today to chat with us.
2: First of all, you don't have to thank me. This is entirely enlightened self interest. From the day I first started speaking with the ECIA, it's been fantastic. You guys collect a room full of low-hanging fruit and let us attack every one of them for the support that we can get from them to make the first kits better, the competitions better, bring excitement to the kids, the teachers, the mentors from our 3,700 corporate sponsors. So A, you don't have to thank me. I thank you. And B, it's an honor to be here. And you were overly generous in your introduction, but I thank you for that as well.
1: You're very, very welcome. You know, and, and maybe if I could ask you, Dean, maybe just walk through our listeners a little bit about, I talked about how you started first in 1989, but give us a little bit about what's going on in the last 30 plus years as you've seen this program grow globally.
2: Well, in one way, I'll say nothing new has gone on because 30 some odd years of this, my message has never changed. The only thing is, I think, and I hope the world has finally caught up to some of that message, but the message when I started first was, we've got to get more kids, particularly women and minorities in this very rich, very mm. technocentric country of ours, to understand and appreciate where this stuff comes from. How does it get created? How do we make it better? And, you know, I'm an inventor. What do inventors do? Inventors look at the same problems as everybody else, but see them differently. Uh, More than 30 years ago, my mom was a teacher and I'm happy to say she's still with us and she reminds me pretty much every day, she's still a teacher. And you can learn a lot from my mom. But more than 30 years ago, when the general perception was this country had an education crisis, we're not making enough engineers, we're not making enough scientists, not enough kids are going on to study math and science and go into those careers, they blame the education system. And I looked at that problem and said, you don't have to go fix the schools. They're full of great teachers. They have great resources. This country then and today still spends more per capita on education than any country in the world. Again, as an inventor, you got to look at the problem differently. I said, you know, the the problem is not lack of, of supply. It's a lack of demand. And the lack of demand is because we became a rich country. And one of the things we invented in this rich country is that concept of leisure time. We invented it after I grew up because I don't remember it as a kid. I don't have any of it now. But we created a culture in which the world of sports and the world of entertainment aren't just a nice piece of our culture. They dominated in many ways, particularly that some kids that really think their future is in the NBA or the NFL or Hollywood. And that's not an unreasonable perspective for them Mm -hmm. to have in a country that has the Super Bowl and the World Series and the Final Four and March Madness. And in a country where every kid by the time they're five or six or seven years old sees very successful young women and young minorities of all sorts being superstars in the world of sports and in the world of entertainment, where the kids in this country see role models and superstars that they wanna emulate in the world of science or engineering or inventing. We don't have that in this country. So I said, look, if if in this free country of ours, you get the best of what you celebrate, we gotta start celebrating science and technology because we're competing for the hearts and minds of these kids. And I don't wanna be competing just for that small, ethereal group of kids that are already decided at six years old, am I going to this great school or that great school? Am I gonna be an engineer or a scientist or a physicist? No, I wanna compete not with the kids that are already going to science fairs. I don't wanna compete with science fairs. I wanna compete with the Super Bowl and the World Series. And I said, oh, I know how to do that. We have to make it a sport. Kids love sports. They love to go to a big event. And by the way, in schools, they know this, that same teacher that they don't wanna see in a classroom because the teacher's obligated to be judgmental, to put a red mark there when you get it wrong, to tell you you got an F or a D. That same teacher turns his or her hat around at four o'clock and goes from teacher, the judgmental person, to the coach, the nurturing person. And after school, that teacher is there to give kids encouragement, not to give them the red marks. That teacher is there. And at the end of the season, they don't get quizzes and tests and final exams. At the end of their sports season, they go to double elimination tournaments and they bring the school band and they bring the cheerleaders and they bring the mascots and they celebrate with each other and they think it's fun and it's exciting. Okay, well, why can't we take some of that, all those trappings and wrap it around a sport that'll exercise the muscle hanging between their ears? Why can't we make a sport that's every bit as exciting as those other sports, but the only difference will be In our sport, every kid can turn pro. There aren't a few million jobs open every year in the world of the NFL and the NBA, but there are a couple of million new jobs, new careers created every year in the world Hmm. of tech and that's accelerating. So it instantly hit me, as I said, 30 years ago that, hey, we don't have an education problem. We have a culture problem. But if I could go and get the big tech companies that are painfully aware that they need to fill a bigger pipeline, for their future employees, for the future customers, for the future of this country, for our security. I'll bet these big companies would be happy to supply the superstars that these kids can emulate. These companies would show kids that in fact, scientists and engineers love what they do and are just as proud of what they create as people that can bounce a ball or sing on a stage. And that they'll see these engineers happen to be in many cases, women and minorities. And all of a sudden uh, these kids will have a new perspective. So 30 years ago, I took a few of the big companies I knew because I built medical equipment. I knew a lot of people in that industry. Mm-hmm. I built helicopters. I knew a lot of people in the aerospace industry. And I went to 20 some odd companies and said, let the teachers be the teachers. They'll be the coaches. You need to be the mentors. You need to be the LeBron James out there. You need to inspire these kids. In fact, the reason I called the program first is because it's the word itself is sports. I never saw kids run into a gym cheering, I want to be second. And yet they'll <laughs> take math past fail. Well, they won't take physics at all. And we're saying, no, no, no. Sports is fun, whether you're good at it or not. I love to uh, ski. I'm never going to be an Olympic skier. But these other skill sets you need to be good at if you want to have a great career, and you better start early. So I created a not-for-profit. I called it first to remind everybody we're about sports. and I like the words first because it doesn't have an E in it. We're not about fixing the education system because there's nothing wrong with the education system. There's something wrong with the fact that kids don't have a passion to embrace it because they don't see a reason to learn trigonometry. And so FIRST stands for inspiration and recognition of science and technology. And if you can inspire kids to recognize that science and technology is fun, it's accessible, it's rewarding, it'll lead to great careers, uh, that will fix a lot of issues this country's facing. And today we see those issues are inequities. I mean, kids with no background in tech are not gonna be able to create careers for themselves that, that will make them happy. I mean, the jobs that are dull and boring and dangerous, those jobs are being wiped out and taken over by computers and robots. So the new jobs, the new careers require an ever more sophisticated group of kids with ever more sophisticated skills to do ever more fun, challenging work. But we got to get to them early. When I set up first, We it took off. And by the second year we did it, we didn't have 20 some odd teams. We had double that number, close to 50. And then the next year close to a hundred. And last year we had 3,700 corporate sponsors supporting 80,000 teams around the world, if you count first Lego League, first Tech Challenge, first robotics. And why did it grow so well? Because we've stayed with our mission. We let the companies be the superstars. We let them supply the inspiration. We support the teachers. We don't criticize or whine about education. We let them be the coaches. We let them have this great sport. The parents love it. The kids love it. The schools love it the corporate sponsors love it, that our government leaders love it. Everybody puts a lot of effort into first, but everybody that's involved gets more out of it than they put into it. Right. In fact, the only thing that I think right. really changed over time in my mind at first is when I first started it, I said it's for the inspiration and recognition of science and technology. And I thought our mission was we got to inspire these kids to work hard at something that matters. Over time, I would leave events, including over the last year or two, and you could imagine how the whole world has become so negative and so contentious. Washington mm-hmm. doesn't know how to play nice with, its, with itself. And everybody's looking to blame people for everything. Then you go to a first event and you look at these kids, they're positive, they're enthusiastic, exactly. they have vision and they have courage and they walk away so so energized, that I realized that first, in many ways, is the source of inspiration to me, not from me, and to our mentors and to our sponsors. And I think in the end, it's the kids on the first teams that are doing the inspiring of so many people Absolutely. that are behind first.
1: Yeah, so well said. So well said. It, you know, and one of the one of the stats I read off in your introduction six hundred over six hundred and seventy nine thousand students globally now partaking in FIRST what what a what a phenomenal accomplishment you know this this is turned into and i can tell you you watch these events it's got to be so incredibly rewarding when you see these kids learn how to function in a team how to work with each other yes you win but in some cases you also lose the life challenges that we all have to deal with in working with others, being part of that team, learning how to win and learning how to lose.
2: By the way, just so you know, you said 679,000. That's the ones that are registered and known to be on teams. But realistically, think about this. If you said how many kids in the high schools of this country are involved in basketball or football or whatever, you wouldn't say it's just the kids on the team. Cause there's the school band and the cheerleaders and the mascots and, and all the clubs and all the support. And the impact of these sports is far broader than just the kids exactly on the teams. And I sure. can tell you when a school has a first team, you may be counting the ones that took the trip that went to the regional, but all the kids in that school are exposed now to a new piece of the opportunity and a culture that says, Science and technology are accessible. They are available and we're affecting whole communities. And we gave out $60 million in scholarships last year from the 200 universities that participate that are out there and they are looking for our students uh, with the same kind of scouting as the other coaches are. And so we have a much broader uh, reach than even that. And as you also said, they learn how to win and they learn how to lose. One of the things we tell all the kids is yeah, at the end of the day only a couple of the robots are going to win but right. the fact is all the kids win the robots get beaten up the robot has an arm broken off it the robot smoked it toasted its power supply but the kid didn't uh, get burned and what we tell them is one of the things that you really learn that's really important about first is you can watch your system fail without you failing because you can come away having learned from that system failure, how it's not going to happen again. So you're better and you're smarter and you're tougher than you were when you went into it. And the kids leave our events. They're not losers. Every one of these kids is a winner, yeah. which is why we keep bringing them back. Uh, so
1: well said. You know, and we're coming off of an incredibly challenging year. None of us saw. <laughs> You know, I was talking with my wife the other day, and we just said, did we ever even think that in our lifetime we would experience a pandemic and what it's brought? And certainly many challenges with schools canceled. And can you share with us a little bit on how you've kind of dealt with that and pivoting to more of a virtual competition and how you've dealt with with the COVID situation?
2: So in some ways, we've dealt with it like everybody else. It was a punch in the gut. In some ways, I think we had it tougher than many organizations. Because remember, the whole premise of FIRST was take science and engineering and mathematics out of the realm of the abstract, which is the way it's taught in textbooks. You know, kids spend 10 years in math. First, they learn how to count. Then they have to memorize multiplication tables. Then they have to learn about different kinds of numbers and literally complex numbers. Then they have to learn things like trigonometry and sine and cosine and tangent. And then algebra and calculus and you go through all of that and where in their normal daily life do they need anything that's not making change of a ten dollar bill which doesn't require trigonometry it doesn't require calculus and so we said if you did sports the same way uh, you did math no kids would like sports anymore than they like math in kindergarten you study the rules in first grade you get quizzes on how big is the field and how many and in right. second grade But if you never got to play the game until 12th grade, you wouldn't think sports are a lot of fun. So my point is, we said we're going to be project-based. We're going to be hands-on. We're going to give kids at events the same kind of visceral understanding of all these things as they do in other sports. So when you say we had to cancel every one of our in-person events this year, it's sort of like, we cancel first because that's what we're about. We're this unique organization that's event-based. But having said that, the power of the idea and the power of the commitment of the kids, the parents, the teachers, the sponsors, the mentors, showed how resilient and how tough first is because even though we canceled more than 180 regional events and two championship events, almost without exception, every sponsor has stayed with us Not only have they not pulled back in these tough times, but they recognize uh, how important FIRST is and how to make sure it's stronger than ever by next year. So we are getting more support for our virtual activities. We are getting more commitments to make our in-person events even bigger and better once we can do them safely. So we're coming back stronger than ever.
1: I love it. You know, and one of the really exciting things now that's happened this past year Let's talk a little bit about the uh, Krista McAuliffe coin, the commemorative coin that the U.S. Mint has decided to make. What a thrill to have something like that tied to uh, first. And maybe if you could just share with us, I know you've got some interesting stats Yeah, on the coin, but give us a little background of it. I mean, Krista McAuliffe was one of the first teachers chosen out of some 11,000 teachers for the space program. And of course, we all know the major tragedy with the Challenger, but what an inspiration she was, and how great to have that association with first so give, give us give us some of that information
2: so i'll give you some information but you said she was one of the first teachers she wasn't one of the first teachers she was absolutely the the first, first. teacher and i love that word first but it turns out that in 1986 i had already left uh, new york and moved up here and fortunately my mom and dad are about ready to retire my mom was a teacher in new york but i moved both of them up here. And my dad is an artist. He spent his whole life as an artist. And um, once they moved up here and I had started first, he helped us, he made the logo for us. But um, our governor, when Krista when McAuliffe, a teacher in New Hampshire was chosen to be the first teacher to go into space, our governor asked my dad, this is a small state. And he said to my dad, would you fly down to the launch and do some sketch and get some You know, get some images of this so that we can commemorate this incredible event uh, and put up pictures and portraits around the State House, etc. And of course, my parents were honored to do that and they flew down for the launch. So they were there live. And can you imagine that tragedy that my mom and dad are standing live as this thing goes up and 73 seconds later, a spectacular ball of smoke up there. And for the first few seconds, everybody thought that was part of what's happening. And then when the reality struck, of course my mom herself, a teacher went to pieces. My father had this burned into his soul. Mm -hmm. They flew back. But a couple of years later when first was really moving and it was first was started here in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. Krista McAuliffe is from New Hampshire. I said, look, we've got to get awareness around the whole country that every school needs to have access to first robotics. Every kid deserves this. I said to my dad, I want a piece of artwork that shows a portrait of Christopher McCullers as if it was, you know, like Washington on the quarter or Roosevelt on the dime. I want a, an image of her that would be on a commemorative silver dollar. And on the back, I want an image of her, maybe with a bunch of kids in an obvious classroom situation with her famous statement I touch the future, I teach. So my father did those two, the front and the back, and he put liberty in and God redeemed. He made a beautiful piece of artwork that the front and back of a coin. And I went down with our then senators and and representatives to Washington, and the following, you know, as soon as he had it done, and went to the Mint and said, we understand that the United States Treasury from time to time will uh, uh, produce commemorative real currency not tokens, but real currency. And they do it for one year. They did it to raise money for the uh, restoration of the Statue of Liberty. They've done it over the years with with rarely, but they've done it. And they basically said, you've got to be kidding. Uh, You've had a a little organization now for a couple of years. We've had major national organizations on waiting lists to have their coin, in some cases, for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And they said, You don't even have a shot. Go, go away. <laughs> and so I waited probably 10 years. And in <clears throat> 19, probably mid 90s, I went back. We were bigger. And they pretty much said, No. I went in 2000. No. I went back, sadly, in 2010. But I, I couldn't take my dad with me because he had just passed at nearly 90. And I went back with this artwork in 2000. And they said, No. And finally, last year, a couple of years ago, I went back when I had at least one team, not only in every state, I pretty much have a, at least one team in every congressional district in the United States and said, we've been waiting 30 years. It's about time you put a teacher on a coin. It's about time you can recognize what First is doing. And we've waited. And lo and behold, they said, okay. And they took my father's art and they worked with Judge McAuliffe, the widower, uh, who mm-hmm. tweaked it a little and, you know, let's put seven stars on the back one for each of the astronauts. And we had an ongoing, very positive uh, dialogue. I think the people at the Mint love the idea of this being a commemorative coin. And I can tell you that in the 240 years or so that the United States has been producing real currency, including coins, there's only 41 or 42 that made it as a commemorative coin and 37 of them have a man on them. And one is, you know, Lady Liberty. There's only a couple that had that had a woman on the face of it and never had they had a teacher on one and never did they have the name and the logo of a not-for-profit organization on a coin that says one US dollar, a solid silver dollar. And by the way, there's more than $16 at the current cost of silver in this silver dollar. Anyway, um, we were super excited that the legislation passed. The mint was given authority uh, to go start making this coin. After the artwork was approved by Judge McAuliffe and the first community, they started striking coins and they made it a 2021 coin. And they will be uh, producing them between now and the end of the year and then they destroy all the dyes. There'll never be another one made. Interesting. And these coins are available. And I have to tell you, if you're ever wondering about how can I come up with a really special, rare, beautiful gift that has meaning, how about, how about to recognize a teacher, a hero, a woman that gave her life, knowing that the surcharge from every one of these coins is donated, 100% of the surcharge goes to support FIRST teams around the country. It's a beautiful coin, it's good investment, and it's a recognition of a teacher, and it's a recognition of a great organization. So I would strongly urge anybody that's looking for a really special gift, go to the United States, or go to FIRST, either one, and get yourself some of these coins.
1: Exactly, in fact, I was just gonna tell our listeners, they can go to uh, FIRST, inspires all one word org and right there on the uh the home page just scroll down a little bit you'll see a nice big section on the 2021 Krista McAuliffe silver coin click on that and that'll take you to uh the US mint section and they can uh they can see how to uh how to order the coin I know I'm I'm excited as I mentioned to you I've got a new granddaughter and I think it'd be the coolest thing to uh, get this coin and and have something special for her on, you know, the year that she was born.
2: Well, you'll have two very special things uh, about 2021. uh, Absolutely. And, and, and make sure you get one for your granddaughter.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, as, as you look at the horizon Dean, um, what what kind of changes improvements do you see with the first program continued impact of the first program what where where, where, do, where does your uh, where does the vision on what you what you see happening
2: so take I think, you? where where's it go as i said to you up front i'm a very dull boring guy i've never changed not, not one line about what first is. I think the name of the organization is at least as relevant today as it is more than 30 years ago. And if anything, mm-hmm. more, and pe- more and more people are starting to recognize we never did have, nor do we now have an education crisis. We have a culture crisis. We have to get kids, all kids, to embrace the fact that they should be part of an exciting uh, future. And technology is, is going to be more and more critical to them. Uh, in order to participate in exciting uh, career uh, opportunities. But I would tell you, a lot of things have changed year by year and first, and that is in the first year, the kid was a shoebox, literally a shoebox full of junk that we gave them. And I think the playing pieces that they had to pick up were tennis balls and the playing field was about you know, 10 feet by 10 feet. And each year from the first uh, 10 years, the box got bigger, and the field got bigger, and the stuff we put in the kit got more and more capable. We finally, I think, reached a point where the robots went from they could weigh up to 10 pounds, and 20 pounds, and 30 pounds. Finally, when we got a little over 100 pounds, we said, you know what, let's cap it here at least for a while, because they have to pick these things up and put them on the field and take them off.
0: Right. the way, the right. amount of
2: power that that they can generate starts to become dangerous. So, uh, I can just tell you, while we have maybe for a while capped some aspects of the size uh, of these uh, bots every year, and in, lot, in, 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 in a big way, thanks to the ECIA, every year the kits get more and more advanced cool stuff. I mean, last year, every, every kit had in it you know, HD cameras that were pre-connected to very smart little uh, uh, boards that had the capability essentially to do AI. You could track a, a target because we gave them servo motors and pre-canned software and ways uh, uh, to get data in and out of these things. I mean, 20 years ago, the military couldn't do uh, what we expect kids to do in six weeks in a, in a working robot. And so I think what's changed is we never wanna go stale. We always wanna keep pushing uh, the envelope, and we do it not just to give the kids uh, a peek into the power of technology. But as I think you know, we have 200,000 volunteer mentors from our 3,700 corporate sponsors. And most of those tech folks are real card carrying nerds and geeks. They love playing with tech. and. When they open that kit up every year and see all the new great stuff in it, they're as excited as the kids that they're mentoring. And yeah. that's why they keep coming back. You know, The kids have sure. a four year span through high school, then they're off in college and then they come back and then they go to the companies and they come back. But a lot of the mentors, you see them in the pits now and they'll I'll say, hey, because I know them for years. And they'll say, Dean, I got involved as a mentor when my daughter was 13, now, that was 15 years ago. I. You know, she left high school, you know, you know, nine years ago, I've been with this team ever since. And now I've got grandkids that I can't wait to get on these teams, but our mentors stay with us year after year because they see the impact on kids. They get to play with new technology. It's great.
1: So great. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, and, and uh, I, I can tell you, certainly from an ECIA perspective, I mean, not only is it an honor, as, as you mentioned, there's so many members that are involved in supporting FIRST, but we're also challenged with the next generation and how do we attract people into our industry? And I can't thank you enough on behalf of ECIA, what you've assembled here, what this has grown into and the excitement that this creates in this next generation, that we also will have an ability to uh, to tap into and, and be part of ongoing as as the years go by. So we appreciate it and thank you thank you for that. You know, uh,
2: again, it's yeah. it's a, a win win. As I said, um, I think one of the reasons we keep so many of our big sponsors and the fact, if anything, they keep upping their commitment. Yes, they believe in our cause and yes, they're trying to help and yes, they recognize we're not the profit and they, and they have to do good. But I think they're all realizing they also do well by being associated with us. Absolutely. Every yes. one of them is worried about their, you know, their workforce of the future and their customers of the future. So, so you know, I'd I, I like to think that every one of your ECIA members that gets involved with FIRST sees it as, you know it's not just some philanthropic i did good here i think they're making an investment in their own future their company's future the future of these kids the future of this country
1: yeah absolutely and really you know that leads me to my last question that is as we as we look at the future as eci members look at what you've created with first and where it's gone or where it's been where it's going what what are other ways that they can get involved? We, we've touched on a variety of things already and there's mentorship and the, you know, there's sponsorship, et cetera. But can you give us some, uh, some suggestions as how, how we can continue to help?
2: So you, you hit them all, there's probably others, but the, the key ones, especially because you guys have done such a good job of collecting uh, across the whole industry, the folks that make all the components that need to be in our kits, and you know, if we have to go out and buy those components, ironically, we need enough now for so many kits. I can't just go pick them up locally, but we need so few of them compared to you know, the apples of the world. You know, we don't buy millions of anything. We don't have that kind of, of buying power. And yet, if we needed a few thousand of each of these you know, hundreds of different components, it would be the most expensive line item of trying to run the whole first program. So, A, every component that we can get enough of those to put in every kit to give to every school so that, that the mm-hmm. kit, mm-hmm. instead of becoming the biggest source of, uh, of uh, expense this not for profit first, it becomes the biggest uh, source of, we're giving out really cool stuff. And uh, when they pay their entry fee, we, you know, we, can, we can cover our costs. So, so, getting stuff committed into the kits from your members to keep our cost of kit low and the quality uh, and, and the, the newness of all the cool stuff in the kits is huge for us. Second, your companies are spread all over the country and we need the mentors that work with the, the schools. And if they're the companies that make the stuff, trust me, they know how to deploy it and make it work and, and build the stuff with it. So So among all your companies, the technical people that become aware of first, now that we're in so many communities, ought to uh, make sure that they uh, can uh, go find a school that, that could benefit from some of their uh, expertise and mentorship. So mentorship is really key. And again, every company that, that's a member of your organization has the engineers that would be perfect mentors. And of course, uh, sponsorship, uh, again, so many of your companies are local and can sponsor our local events. We had 182 regionals and some of your companies are massive global companies and they can help at a higher level uh, sponsor and, and, and make our events as, as exciting and big and colorful as, as you know, the Super Bowl and the World Series. So, so you hit the big ones. We need sponsorship, we need mentorship and we need really cool stuff in our kids.
1: Excellent. Well, it, you know, well said, especially now when we're looking at all the challenges of getting components and lead times going out. So for all our ECIA members, keep, let's keep that in mind, right, and, and look at how we can continue to help uh, uh, provide the components that go into the kits. So, you know, I can't think of anybody, you know, better, Dean. I mean, your passion and your excitement for this when you, when you think of the future of this industry. Uh, it, it's, it rubs off, and uh, we couldn't be more excited that uh, coming now in October, we've got October 24th through the 26th, we're going to have the ECI conference being held live in Chicago, and it is a true honor to let you know that DigiKey and Tyco Electronics have stepped up and are going to sponsor you coming in, and, and the really cool thing is All of that is going to be pretty much going to first and we've got an exciting time personalized time with you as well for uh, ECA members to participate it's a it's a very small number but we're looking for people to join us for an intimate dinner with you the night before but we couldn't be more excited to have you come and share with us what's going on, where you see things going, You know the excitement that you uh, instill in everybody, we're, we're just uh, so much looking forward to it.
2: Well, I will only tell you that I still remember very vividly, the first time you uh, invited me, uh, gave me the opportunity to walk into a room packed, and I mean packed with low hanging fruit. It was all the companies <laughs> that we desperately wanted to, to be aware of the stuff we need for these kits to make them more exciting. And, I, and you filled it with people that, that, that rose to that occasion. They gave us all sorts of stuff. In fact, they made us aware of all sorts of cool stuff that we weren't even smart enough to ask for up front. And then many of them came on as mentors and attended our events. So I can promise you, I will show up in Chicago uh, working very hard to make sure we continue to earn your support and, and, and excite your people about this very, very unique partnership that first has created between industry and government and schools. And and we think um, that the kids that participate in this over their lifetime will owe you a lot. And over their lifetime, they'll start to uh, let you know it. And, and I think that will be the greatest reward of all.
1: Yeah, so well said. Well, Dean, thank you so much. This has been an honor and a pleasure chatting with you today and getting a little uh, insight on how you started first and the challenges certainly uh, again the the excitement with the coin that is so cool and for uh, our listeners to make sure go to go to the website check it out invest in the coin you're not only investing in a cool coin you're investing in first and uh, again we'll we'll look forward to seeing you at the ECI conference in October on uh, October 24th through 26th.